Welcome to The Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side, and also the human element of how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Everyone, this is Josh with Edge of NFT. I'm here at Consensus, the exhibit hall. It's a massive place. Right in the middle is the Hedera Hashcap booth. I'm here with Brady Gentile, who will tell us a little bit of well, what he does at Hedera Hashcap and what's going on in your world. It's good to see you, man. Yeah, great to see you, too. I think last time we saw each other was at NFT LA. Yeah, so remind everyone what you do at Hedera and what's been going on in your world since NFT LA. Sure. Yeah, so at Hedera, I'm doing ecosystem marketing. So understanding and marketing all of the various ecosystems and applications and participants within those ecosystems, fostering their growth, growing out communities. Cool. What's been popping since NFTLA? It's been a few months, which is like years in Web3, right? Yeah, absolutely. So since NFTLA, a lot's been going on on the application development side on Hedera. As many may know, we've got HBAR Foundation, which is an adjacent organization to Hedera that does grants for different types of applications. We have a few verticals, so DeFi, Metaverse, Sustainability, Privacy Funds, a Female Founders Fund, a whole bunch of different verticals that we're looking to foster growth for. And since then, we've had a few accelerators come online for that, a few applications that have been funded and a good amount of capital that's deployed to grow out the ecosystems. And so it's been great seeing that growth. I think now, since then, we're starting to see some of those applications start to come online, and it's really exciting to see. It's cool. Yeah, totally. And we'll delve in more. We're going to have a proper show soon, but maybe just give me a sense of the vibe at Consensus, like the types of conversations you're having with folks, what you're excited about for the future. we got 17,000 people here. It's really hot, 110 degrees, but the conversations are also really exciting. Right, yeah, and I know at first it was supposed to be 10,000, and that number jumped very quickly. We ended up having to bring more staff to the event. We brought more swag, more pamphlets and literature to try and help explain what Hedera does and what it is. I think it's a bit different this year being in Austin than it was at the last consensus conference in New York a couple years ago. That one seemed to be a lot more maybe financially focused, obviously being in New York and a little bit more corporate. This one being in Austin, it's brought a lot more of like a deep web three focus, it seems, sort of permissionless focused applications and ecosystems that are being built in web three. And so the conversations, it seems like a lot of things have matured since the last one. It seems to be a lot of innovation and a bit more maturity, I think, that's being brought to the space. That's cool. Yeah. Can you give us a sense of the types of applications people want to build on Hedera Hashgraph and like some of the scalability benefits of, of using your platform, not to mention the eco side of things? Yeah, so as I mentioned, a big focus right now is DeFi applications on Hedera. We have that DeFi fund, which I think it's earmarked for $200 million. Uh, that's not bad. It's not bad, yeah. So definitely hoping to use that to bolster the DeFi ecosystem system and foster its growth on Hedera. One of the big things that when we talk to DeFi applications on Hedera that they're realizing the benefits of Hedera are consensus timestamps for all of the transactions that's unique to Hashgraph consensus which underlies our network. Being able to have timestamps for all of those transactions is important to be able to validate some of that information. 
and at the same time, the scalability and throughput of the network, tokens on the network can go to 10,000 transactions per second today, and with sharding later on, it's, it's essentially an unlimited amount of transactions that can be performed. The cost for those transactions are incredibly low, fractions of a penny to transfer tokens and use DeFi applications on the network. And the carbon footprint is very low as well, right? That's right, yeah, carbon footprint. There was a report that was done by the UCL Center for Blockchain Research, they found that on average, the kilowatt per hour transaction for Hedera was the lowest when compared to a number of other layer one networks, Ethereum 2, and then even the Visa network as well, transactions on this Web2 Visa network. Even Telos, right? I mean, that's slower than Telos? We don't have a comparison to Telos right now in terms of its sustainability. For the small amount of carbon footprint that it does have per transaction, we kind of went above and beyond and we purchased carbon offset credits quarterly. So we do operate in a carbon negative fashion. And the governing council for the network has decided to continue with that commitment into the indefinite future. And so I think that's a value that we really care about. Well, that's awesome, man. Really exciting. Um, Looking forward to seeing what comes out of this grant program and all the innovation to come. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us. And you got some conversation to have, some swag to dish out. But thanks again. I look forward to having a deeper dive very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Appreciate it. Welcome to Edge of NFT. Mike Krilivsky, what's up, man? Good to see you here, hey, brother. Good to see you as well. We're hanging out here over at uh, Decentral in Austin, Texas, and we're here to talk about NFT pay. It's been a minute since we, we had you on the show, and last time we did, I think we were talking about a number of things, including Creatify, yep. and you've had quite a journey since then, man. Like, Let's talk about that, dude. Like, Talk about the journey that took you to Creatify and then ultimately NFT pay, what it's all about. Yeah, Web3 changes fast and we adapt and we move forward. So yeah, we'll start with some background. The last company, we pioneered this all over printing, print on demand space that enabled people to create products and sell them online in an efficient manner in under 30 seconds. And people created over hundred million products with this patented technology. This was back in, all the way back in 2012, 13, 14. And then in 2016, we started noticing this issue where People were taking IP that didn't belong to them, like Mickey Mouse or something, putting on a t-shirt, trying to sell it online without Disney's permission. Using our technology, using companies like Shopify, Amazon, et cetera. And we're like, as brand owners and also marketplace owners, we're like, this is messed up, this is wrong. And 2016, San Francisco blockchain is booming. And so I'm like, how can we solve this issue? So we started digging into blockchain and said, man, we can authenticate these images on the blockchain. So there's one source of truth for the buyers, creators, and sellers. We can also take advantage of smart contracts and make sure these licensors are paid automatically to bypass inefficient licensing models. And so this was really cutting my teeth in the blockchain Web3 space. It was back in 2016, I formed a team and we're like going forward with some technology that now people refer to as NFTs. And so that's where it started. You fast forward to 2021, and then NFTs start exploding. Some of our friends, some highlights, Haseeb Awan, inventor of the first Bitcoin ATM machine, investor in NFT pay. His friend, Big Nash, bought the $69 million people painting as an NFT. And then a portfolio company of mine, Origin Protocol, they launched the DJ Blau album, sold for $11 million. 
And once I saw that, I said, hey, we have to get back into this space now. Start innovating again, pushing and going. So that's when we started this business called Creatify and let all our friends know and said, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to make NFTs simple. Because right now, we didn't like the experience on the existing marketplaces. We didn't like the experience. We felt it was just so fragmented and slow and clunky. And some of the crypto nerds were having a blast buying $11 million Lao albums and people paintings. But for the masses, people are like, what the hell is this? How do I do this? And so we designed a, a more simple marketplace. And before we even got to launch it, we had one of our investors, Yohei, of this project called Pixel Beast. He said, hey, Mike, I want to do a 10K, 10,000 NFT launch with these Pixel Beasts. And it's going to be kind of this like investor community, kind of a cool group of people. There'll be some perks. Yeah. Shout out to Yohei. We had him on the show. Really, yeah. really fun, fun project. Really exciting guy in terms of him trying to sort of get the builders and sort of non-traditional folks in the space. And I assume punchline here is that you guys learned something in the process of collaborating. Oh, yeah. we. <laughs> oh, man, we learned so much. So we worked with Yohei on this project. Well, we helped sell out multiple 10K NFT launches to start, and Yohei was one of them. And we saw how much time it took and effort it took to do this. And we also saw this giant education piece. Anyone that wasn't already in the crypto scene and already had a wallet and already had cryptocurrency, they were really struggling to buy NFTs. And, you know, my thing has always been, how can we make it easily for the masses to participate, to take advantage of this new opportunity? How can we impact people's lives and bring them in? And so from the Yohei launch, from the previous Citadel launch, from every other launch thereafter, we were like, hey, there's one common thread. And that's like, we at least simple way for these people to buy this NFT. And so that's when we kind of, we had a credit card solution and we're like, we're gonna make this better and accessible for everyone to use. And so we doubled down on this one thing that would turn a literally a multi-day process, a 12-step multi-day process to get your MetaMask, to go on an exchange like Coinbase, upload your driver's license, your bank statements, wait for verification, then go buy cryptocurrency, wait for it to like be in your account. You have to upload your money. Then you have to send your cryptocurrency to a MetaMask wallet. Then you have to connect that MetaMask wallet to an existing NFT site, then you can finally buy the NFT. And if it's a hot project, that NFT is gone. And if know. you're brand new to the space, you're thinking, am I losing my money? Is yeah. it there? Is it not? Yeah. Is a lot of Ethan, our co-host, videotaped him onboarding one of our good friends to our spirit seats, which unlocked a ticket to NFT LA. And it was like an hour and a half video. Like it took a while. There's a lot there. And this is a smart entrepreneurial guy. Right? Like, we're not talking about folks that have never sort of touched an app before, messed around with different social media sites and done online banking. It's even for that group, there's like a huge hurdle here we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw that and I thought this was crazy. I'm like, this is nuts. Like, when you go online to buy something, you pay money, like, and then you get it. You get the order confirmation and like your order's coming. So I was like, we need to change this. And I'm like, there's going to be billions of people getting into the NFT space. You know, right now we're at our infancy. We might have done 41 billion transacted last year in 2021, but we're bullish on this being a $40 trillion space. 
in the somewhat five to 10 year span. So how can we make it easy for everyone to purchase an NFT? And so we made it as simple as possible on the front end for the user. So it's like a regular credit card experience. You literally put in your credit card, you put in your billing address and you hit buy. And we do all the complex stuff on the back end, the KYC to make sure it's not like a fake credit card. We do the crypto wallet management for you. So that way you don't have to go to a site like MetaMask. Remember the seed phrase, otherwise you lose everything and people are paranoid and scared and like, whoa, it's not a weird browser extension. And we handle all that for you behind the scenes. And so you can literally buy an NFT with NFT pay in less than a minute. It's like today, you can do that right now. Right now, there's about 20 or so projects integrated right now. New ones are onboarding every single day. So that's available now. It's got that feature. Are there other features about it that people should know about? Yeah, it's a beast. It might sound simple, but there's how many blockchains are there out there in existence? You know, is there like <laughs> hundreds, yeah. thousands? Maybe? Yeah, and, and there's probably about seven to ten ones that are commonly used for NFTs. You got Solana, right? Polygon, Scale is doing some cool stuff with NFTs. You Shout know. out to Scale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jack's awesome. So how are you working with all these different protocols? We're trying to start with all the, the most use ones first. So in Ethereum-based chains have the largest market share. It's like over like 80%. And so we started there. We have about nine blockchains integrated. Everyone's been speeding down our door for Solana. So Solana is next on the roadmap. And then also we have essentially the biggest NFT marketplaces in the world in our queue to potentially integrate with. And that's much more difficult than a 10K NFT launch. So there's still a little bit of work to do. But the point is, we have their ears open. Their fans are going to them requesting NFT pay at this point. Mm. And that's amazing. And I think we want to continue that. We want to say, hey, guys, you want to be able to buy with a, a credit card? Go tell OpenSea. Go tell all these people. Tell them your current experiences and how it's been. Do you want to spend 12 days or hours on Discord or with these other broken type solutions? Or do you want to be able to enjoy your day? So walk me through it for someone launching, say, a 500 NFT drop, where it's a little bit of a competitive process. Yes, this is an allow list, but at the end of the day, proof is putting your money where your commitment is, right? How do you do that with the credit card technology? Do people sort of pre-queue and then sort of the credit card clicks in? How do you sort of work with like reconciling the benefits of credit card technology with how traditional NFT sort of generative launches have done? And what kind of consulting do you offer to projects that are thinking about how to like integrate those two? Fortunately, like we do it in a very, 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 probably the best way you can do it. There's several different ways you can actually implement credit card implementation into a 500 NFT launch or any type of NFT launch. And there's ways where you can like go out and buy cryptocurrency on behalf of the customer and then do it. And that's what we've seen a lot of people do. Yeah, yeah. I'm curious how you guys do it. Yeah. So we do it where we actually integrate right with the contract itself. So when you buy that NFT, we actually have a wallet filled with ETH and we're buying it on the contract simultaneously while your credit card is being processed. Out of all the ways we studied, we believe this is the best way because A, you get it exactly when you want it. And then if it's gone, you don't get it. And how do you peg USD to ETH in that moment? Well, yeah, you have to have a couple different, essentially like price monitors. And we have a few of them. And then we have like little 
algorithms on the internal side that like show like exactly what it's supposed to be. Cause obviously there's a variance on every single chart. So we take some of the main ones, like I think like coin market cap and like some other ones and like we pin them all against each other and we try to find like an average or see what makes the most sense of that. It's cool. I just find it's interesting because it's like the nuances and how you make the sausage and the thought that goes into it is so relevant, at least to me. We can zoom out if you've got- Josh always asks the good questions. Like shout out to Josh. No, I'm just really curious about it. You know, it's cool. It's not easy to do this stuff. And I think it's important for people to appreciate the nuance that goes into like building this type of technology and integrating web two in the web three world. Clearly, it's one step in the process that you guys zoomed in on. You saw this is a massive problem as part of the Creatify journey and, and what brought you here to NFT Pay. But it also has to integrate seamlessly with these other steps of the process with NFT launches, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you integrate with those other steps? And do you intend on your roadmap to fulfill some of the needs folks have a little bit more broadly with these launches? Yeah, like what other steps do you mean exactly? Like Josh, for example, was talking about like the queuing approach, right? When folks are coming in and they're looking and they're on a allow list or a white list or whatever approach people take. So the step prior to actually putting the credit card down and then once that credit card purchase is made, how does that relate to the queue that was lined up? Yeah, so we try to make it as if all payment types were one. We believe a payment is a payment. Mm -hmm. So when that payment of a credit card happens, like I said, we simultaneously have the cryptocurrency transaction happen with the contract. Yeah, That's how we're doing it. We're doing that to the best of our absolute ability. Shout out to our chief product officer, Reza, and our CTO, Nick Fallon. They're really the brains behind the intricacies of this section of the business. And, you know, they're phenomenal. They worked on world-class products and had billion-dollar exits with companies like Tubi and the largest banks in the world. And they're above my pay grade level. So talking about other banks and experiences, obviously uh, going it alone isn't really a Web3 kind of thing, right? There's got to be partnerships and relationships in here to help move this thing forward. Tell us a little bit about those. Yeah, so we love partnerships. I think Web3 is all about community and people and partnerships. And anybody that's doing something cool in the space, we completely support them. You know, like Edge Amenity, we love you guys. We support you, say great things about you to everyone, and we send people your way. And like, there's a million companies that aren't doing NFT launches and aren't doing marketplaces, but you know what? They work with them all. And like, those guys are our best partners. Why? Because we make their clients more money. There's confidential statistics from some of my NFT marketplace friend owners that 84% of people, even crypto owners, would rather pay with a credit card for an NFT. And that's incredible. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio, where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle 
to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplace, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGENs who strive to shed the cummerbund and pearls comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio, and you can find out all about it at edgeofae.com. That's right, this full-service soup-to-nuts and whole-enchilada NFT service can help you, yes you Randy, launch your NFT project. Edge of NFT and AE Studio have come together like Voltron to get your project in gear so you can hightail it straight to the moon, stardom, and maybe even your own private yacht. Go to edgeofae.com to find out more. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. You also look at the, I don't know what the latest stats are and the number of wallets on OpenSea, but last time I checked, it was in 350 to 400K range. <laughs> and you just look at the population as a whole and any, any way you slice or dice the market, huge opportunity. And I guess on that note, a lot of different types of folks are coming to you. And yet the mainstream media likes to talk about how the market is flattening. What do you see being in the trenches right now? And what are some of the exciting use cases for NFTs and your technology on the horizon? Great question. Obviously, we can sense that we're in this like bear market right now. And some of us have lived through cycles before, right? Like I was there in the 2018 bear market. That's when I put my early NFT project on pause and actually continued with the print on demand one. And then re-engaged in the bull market in 2021. So now what I see is like, this is not going away. Like NFTs, I said it from the beginning of 2021, like their NFT revenue is gonna be bigger than all of cryptocurrency. Why? Because it touches anything of value in the entire world and then beyond the world in the metaverse. So like literally every music, art, video, physical product, metaverse product. So this is going to be a $40 trillion market. We're not worried. And NFT market as a whole is not taking as much of a dip as even the stock market or cryptocurrency. You know, a lot of cryptocurrencies are like 89% down or some worse. You're going to see the NFT market still expanding. It might expand much slower than it would in a bull market but it's gonna keep expanding. You know, we're at the infancy of NFTs coming out for real estate. We're at the infancy of NFTs coming out for physical products. We're at the infancy of all of this. And so we have very interesting partnerships coming in. I'll mention, I'll mention a couple because they're friends of mine. Like you guys probably know Brock Pierce and his wife, Crystal Pierce. She's trying to sell these amazing NFTs in her gallery. Crystal's friends with so many awesome people around the world, so many artists. and. She has these galleries and she presents beautiful NFTs. Some are worth millions, some are worth tens of thousands. And you know what happens? She's trying to raise money for great causes like cancer, autism, et cetera, and sell some of these. And she participates with the artists, but people, high net worth people come, they want to buy these. And guess what? They don't have a crypto wallet. <laughs> the biggest statistic I heard in the world of crypto wallets is 300 million. Well, there's 7.8 billion people. Yeah. So you're looking at a fraction, like less than like one to 4% max of people that actually own a crypto wallet. So you know what she's doing? She's actually buying them herself 
for these people, like tens of thousands of dollars of NFTs. She's buying them herself. And then behind the scenes after the event, she's like transferring money, helping them set up a crypto wallet on the computer with them. Like it's a nightmare. And she's so yeah. is there like a limit right now in terms of the size of the transaction that you guys can do just based on how the credit card companies work? Well, this brings into another awesome product roadmap feature. So we've implemented before, it's not currently in our build, but we've implemented bank account and ACH. So obviously people will want to wire for very large amounts, but for amounts, tens of thousands, some people do have those limits in their credit cards. But yeah, we'll be integrating more credit cards. We'll be integrating bank account and ACH options. Like this is an obvious need. And we have people like Crystal Pierce, who's a super sweetheart, former engineer and investor, now philanthropist with Brock and like doing these amazing things. And we want to support her journey and other art galleries journeys and everyone around the world. And so we're focusing on just making NFT pay broader and integrating with more use cases. And we're going to go after the ones that kind of are most ready and need it first. So maybe like the marketplaces, maybe like Solana, and then maybe the galleries, something like that. Any other features? You mentioned a few there that you want to highlight though that you didn't talk about already. I think those are like the main ones, you know, like payment companies kind of be boring to masses, like, but to us, it's exciting. You know, us rolling out something like bank account or ACH is like groundbreaking because now someone can literally buy an NFT for millions of dollars with NFT pay when they couldn't before, unless they use cryptocurrency. And we do offer crypto as an option, by the way, it's not like an either or thing. It's like, no, we allow both. That's cool. I guess community building is such an important part of the space. We've talked about it. I'm curious what's on your roadmap in in terms of giving the community skin in the game and like NFT pay as a whole. Are you guys thinking about a token economy at some point? What is your vision on that side of the house in terms of just creating a track? Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've been thinking about some amazing ways to build community, right? There's like NFT giveaways. Those are starting to really pick up some steam. And we see a lot of potential in that. There's stuff like tokens. People do token launches and they get their whole community incentivized. They give everyone a little piece of the pie who's like working on something and who's creating value. If you have all these like play to earn models, learn to earn models, etc. We love that stuff. And we have some of the greatest minds in all of cryptocurrency and token launches, either as investors on our team or ready to help on our token launch. And to me, that's super exciting. So when that comes out, we hope the whole world can come and participate and be part of it and get something of value. We recently launched a project called Metabolts, and it's a 10K NFT launch. The point of it is for demo purposes right now, but we did only make 10,000. They're 50 cents each. And they're just so people can like see the NFT pay process, not on a testing network. Oh, super very smart. cool, very yeah. cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah, just thinking about what you shared, I mean, this is unprecedented, right? Like Visa didn't do that, right? Yeah. Like you got your investors and then became a public company, I guess. I'm assuming Visa is a public company. I'm not yeah. sure. But I mean, there's so many more permutations of what's possible to engage people that you guys can, can mess around with and test out your technology in the process. So it's really exciting, yeah. everything that you're thinking about here. Cool. And by the way, it's Metabolts with an S dot XYZ. Anyone to go check it out. Because even though it's a test network, I think it's probably people are buying like, I think we limited it back down to 10 max. Yeah, we had it a little high on accident. <laughs> so nice. Man. 
Well, yeah, speaking of that, where should folks go to oh. check out NFT Pay and everything yeah. you guys are working on? NFTpay.xyz is our website right now. And yeah, go there. We make it easy for people to kind of sign up with our sales team and get a meeting like right away if you want. We actually have a self-serve option. So that's a product that we're really excited about that we just launched where literally if you have a 10K or 500 NFT launch, whatever launch happening, if your launch is pretty much a standard launch functionally, you can click a link, enter in like five pieces of information, click a button and get two lines of code to inject in your website. And NFT pay works. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, that's exciting, man. And so great to hear about all the innovation, disruptive innovation that you've been up to since we last connected. And just goes to show how, how fast things move in the space with the right team and with like a really strong focus on customer development. And so I'm sure next time we chat, we'll have many more things to talk about. Appreciate hanging out with us today and have a good time in Austin. Hope get to meet a lot of interesting people and help them on board. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me and NFT Pay. I love you guys. What's up, everyone? This is Josh with Edge of Man of T here with Zach. Subbing in as co-host. What's up? Nice. Good, good to have Zach on camera. And here with Jay Cheng. Jay from Genopets. Really exciting project that sort of took the world by storm. Is one of the really advanced utility projects, I would say, in the space. Jay, so glad you could hang out with us for a little thank bit. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Break it down for us, man. Like, what's the background on yourself and how did Geno Pets come to be? Yeah, so I'm Jay, I'm one of the three co-founders. We first had this idea for Geno Pets probably around April, May last year. So we're coming up on just over a year since we first like inception of this thing. It was actually inspired by a previous project that my two co-founders ran. One of the biggest projects on the EOS called Geno S. And Geno S was a health data marketplace. I think like 23andMe, we're going to monetize your DNA data by selling it to researchers and pharmaceuticals, but you earn a piece of that reward. Inspired by providing passive income for people for their health, finding ways to incentivize people to stay healthy and active. Which is so important, especially when we got COVID going on, people are just not moving as much. Yep. And the problem with that, or some of the issues that we ran into that was, one, the sort of infrastructure behind de decentralized oracles and how are you going to share this health, private, like sensitive health data, blah, 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 to researchers, but also it just wasn't fun. And if it wasn't gonna be fun, you would have to pay people so much money to get them to do the thing that it just wasn't ever going to work. So along that route, my co-founder Ben kept saying like, how are we gonna make it fun? How are we gonna make it fun? We need to like, let's just make it a game. Okay, crypto games back then wasn't really a thing. We're talking 2019, 2020. Maybe it was a thing from Kitty back in the day. But as we saw Axie pick up and what was starting to happen with play to earn games, we we're like, oh, this makes so much sense. Instead of your health data just being an NFT that represents some data, let's make a pet. A pet that you're going to upgrade, customize, and evolve. A digital pet that ends up representing your well-being. Like a workout buddy, too, because it's a lot more fun to work out with a friend. I skip working out every day, but I don't skip feeding my dog. Right, or walking the dog. Or and if you have, like, an active dog, you're going to have to keep up with them. That's the move. Yeah. Zach, you've done some, like, fitness-related activities in L.A. trying to get tech people to work out. Yeah. I'm sure you can relate to some of these pain points. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've tried a couple of things, trying to incentivize people with rewards or community building around it. Haven't really tried that much in the game route. Do, do any of you guys have gaming backgrounds? Like, 
good game development? To an extent. I've worked on a couple games in the past. My background is in product, product on the agency side. I built Ghostbusters Mobile VR for Sony. That was one of, probably one of my big heard of that. fame. But honestly, when we got when we set out to fundraise for Geno Pets and Convoy and Pantera ended up leading our round, one of the biggest things from the traditional gaming funds was like, oh, but you guys don't build games. They're like, yeah, but like we do come from building Web3 communities. And building Web3 versus building free-to-play mobile game, you know, people have been building free-to-play mobile games for over a decade, and daily people are still trying to figure out how to do Web3. So it's one of those things that we're building the game side from foundational principles of how do you make a fun game that's sticky that people want, and we're bringing our Web3 knowledge to the table of how do you build a great community that wants to be on that journey with you to build the game. Let's dive in there, because Edge of NFT, we've done, I think, 150 shows, and it's always about community. But one clear requirement, especially in a, quote, bear market, if you will, is... It's a not bear for GameFi, right? <laughs> right. Is a community that sticks with you through thick and thin, and that means sort of some degree of patience and ongoing engagement. Can you talk to us about how you've been able to manifest that type of energy? Because it's one thing to build a community. It's another thing to keep that community running. It is. When game is probably every game producer's least favorite question, but it is also the most important question because it means that your community is there and excited and ready for that thing to come. If people stop asking when game, I'd be a little bit concerned. From the start, we first tweeted GenoPets and like Move to Earn last August. So I guess we had this idea, we're gonna make a game about movement and it's gonna be a pet. It's like your Tamagotchi, your Pokemon, you can take care of by taking care of yourself. Walk around, sweat equity, upgrade your pet. The idea or the premise of building community is an interesting thing for Web 2 versus Web 3. Web 3 game publishers, think about that from the start. Web 2 publishers raise a bunch of money, start building a game in silence, and two years later, release the game, spend a bunch of money on customer acquisition. You kind of did a hybrid approach. Yeah, we definitely raised a fundraising round. If you've seen anything GenoPets, the art, just the web experience, like everything about us is top-notch sort of AAA quality. Yeah, it's one thing to say you grind it out with whatever Some funds you, you, that you flip and just kind of like, no. But, but this takes real investment in infrastructure. And, and I think it's a hybrid model. And I think it's a model that people should really consider is yep. that mix of investment plus Web3. It's not like there's a one-size solution. Our NFT mint was done in Gene Token. Our initial Genesis drop was done in Gene Token. We did not do it in Solana or there or whatever to use as funds for the game. We did it to reinvest in the community and show everyone that we we're along our governance token. But kind of back to the, the core part about building out the community, I think the two things is, is one, you need a really clear vision, something people to sink their teeth into to get them excited, a really cool demo, something that we have from day one. I don't even know if it's up still, but demo.genopets.me was like this experience of meeting your genopet for the first time. The whole game is predicated on you building a bond with your pet. You imbue your personality into the pet that best matches you for you to find your genopet. If you go on Magic Eden and look up a GenoPet, they actually have an about. It's a description, and it sounds like your personality. You play this little personality quiz, and it creates the metadata of your pet. Procedural generation, these aren't just JPEGs that we created and gave out randomly. The mint characteristics are defined by how players played the game. We launched that game last October. The way to keep the community engaged after you get them sunk in, that second piece, is how do you keep the community following and excited and, and wanting to build this with you? And for us, what that's been is every single one of our drops, one was not just to make cash. Like we're not about to drop an NFT's primary just to, just to make money. We're creating game with the players and they're defining collection rarity. 
Collection rarity driven by players is a really uncommon thing. I think it's a really unique concept. If you can make your community feel like they are defining the future of the game with you, I think that's one of the biggest differences we've found has kept people along the ride. How do you do that in a way that is authentic but not overwhelming? Because Web3 entails getting a lot of feedback from a lot of different folks, and that's a lot of information to process, and not everyone feels the same way. So how do you make sure that people feel like their voices are heard and also sort of go through your product dev guide, go through that customer discovery process without sort of getting overwhelmed synthesizing all this data? I think it starts with selling a vision, and the vision is wide. Genopets is an open world, there's battling, there's all this customization and items and stuff you're gonna to wanna to do. The game has to be complex, it has to be fun. But how you prioritize that, what you do needs to take the community with you along the way. Some really simple examples. Every week or every two weeks, we put out a status report of like what we've been working on. We look at the feedback of what we've been working on. And that's raw stuff in Unity that's not done. That's ideas for game mechanics that we're creating that aren't done. Really just to show people what we're doing all the time so that we can be seeing that feedback from the most active people in the community. Synthesizing it all and making sure you're hearing the right voices, certainly from a data standpoint, is difficult when your community is 180,000 people in your Discord. Yeah. But we have, and shout out to our fantastic, like couldn't live without you community mod team. We've grown about 40 community moderators over the last year that are purely volunteer, excited for the project, helped keep the lifeblood of the community up and running that are a big sort of quote-unquote filter to identifying the largest issues or the most themes. talked about the broadest themes that really helps and every day i mean every day i go to sleep on discord it's basically like people are like oh you should look at your phone program i literally go to bed looking at discord every day because i just need to know what's going on in the community um, it seems like a pretty big shift i think about web 2 brought us rewards based you know, crowdfunding like kickstarter mm-hmm. But there was, was no Kickstarter days back in the yeah. Day but you, as a contributor, you really felt like an owner, even it's, if you it's got very one way. You'd get an email from Kickstarter that said you back this project and they've posted an update, and then two months later maybe you get another one, and then you get one that says, "Oh, sorry, we can't deliver, but thanks for your donations. We tried." I remember the Kickstarter days. That's actually when I got my first Bitcoin. I met Brock in 2013, kind of randomly at a conference I was holding that was all focused on crowdfunding. I got fascinated with this idea. Was that in LA? I remember that conference. It was called Discover Me. I don't know if you really random aside. The mayor of LA actually was a keynote speaker, and we had Patrick McHenry from SEC. I totally remember that conference. Anyway, that was like ages ago. That was almost 10 years ago. But what fascinated me about the whole crowdfunding era that I think has come into Web3 a lot, especially with the NFT drops, has been this idea of selling people on a vision, building the community around it, Web3 is done really differently from the way crowdfunding was structured is build in the open, build with, grow the community from, and predicate every decision you make on how is the community going to react. We also foster a group in our Discord, just back to kind of more specifically us called DNA. DNA, Gene, it's a a round words there. But the DNA crew is about a thousand people strong who pass a basic skills test. They know the stuff about genopets and then they get voted into the DNA role in the Discord by the moderators. So if you're actively helping other people out, if you're creating cool content, whatever it is you're doing to grow the community, you get noticed by the mod team and you get upvoted into the special role. The DNA community gets private beta access, they get sneak peeks from the core team. We do all the things that kind of help 
bring that community, that louder, wide community, now to a smaller subset that we can work more closely with, again, for this whole build community. You mentioned sneak peeks, and this is the edge of NFT. We like to hear how leaders in the community are pushing boundaries, and I'm sure there's new sort of places that you guys are going that people have not gone before, just given how you created this project and really innovated. So I'd love to hear about some of the new boundaries that you're pushing, what you're thinking about next, how you're converging different technologies, what's coming up. One of the things that we've really bullish on from day one, and I started touching on this a little bit, was the idea of player-controlled mints or player-driven rarity. Genopets collection, the Genesis Genopets collection, the attributes of those pets were procedurally generated based on how players played the minting game. Play to mint. Everyone, there's a little bit of play to mint out there, but usually the play to mint still ends in RNG and you randomly get an NFT. But we procedurally generate the NFTs in our collections based on how players play the game. What's interesting about that is everybody wanted the black Genopet, for example, and they figured out how to game the system to get the black one, which from a personal perspective, like I love the black one. It looks really cool. I want that one. But the irony is everyone ends up shooting themselves in the butt when the black one becomes the most common. It's one of those things that like, that's a really important game theory. Yeah, it's like as tourists, we go to like countries that we love and then complain five years later when those countries become too touristy and they're no longer off the beaten path. So that's one of the things I think that's really separated all of our mints from basically every other NFT mint. It's player control rarity, play to mint. We've been building games. Everyone's like, when's game? The people in our community know that game has been happening this whole time. We've had three play to mint games. One of them was a, a Genesis Habitat Mint where you went through a six-week treasure hunt to like solve puzzles and look for clues in our trailer and do all those things to be able to collect five different crystals and a terraform seed that you use to mint a Genesis Habitat. Habitat's a home for your genopet. It's our primary yield-generating asset. There's a whole bunch of game stuff behind how we're doing this to get our NFTs out into the community to be building game with them. I think that's a big one for us. We're also pretty bullish on the concept of Dutch auctions. Dutch auctions come polarizing sometimes. Recently, two weeks ago, week ago, we did a drop for water crystals. And just a quick aside on why that even mattered. There's five different elements of crystals, water crystals, fire crystals, earth, wood, etc. They're, they're all the same, but they're different elements. They will have more differentiating factors once the game comes live, but today they're all basically the same. For some reason, the water floor was like 50, 40 soul, and the floor for everything else is like five or six. Like, why is this? And the community's talking about it. They're like, why is the water floor so high? Like, is there a drought in the genoverse? Like, kind of a funny thing. I mean, you need water to perform at your best and exercise sure. the and most, maybe, right? Maybe that's like, why, right? I mean, what? Like, water, breath? They all like... have the same supply. We don't know why. I really don't know why. But there was a huge disparity in the floor of these NFTs that are arguably the same. The community's talking about it. We're seeing this right on Discord. People are like, oh, I really want a water. I need all five to make my habitat, but I can't get a water. It's 50 soul. Maybe there's the whale that snagged a bunch of water. I don't know how much time we have, but like the backstory <laughs> of why we think that happened is because water was the first one given out from our very first treasure hunt cipher. And because the treasure hunt wasn't as popular then, it was just our core community. The people that ended up with water were all holders, not traders. Water was just being held by the community. This is a theory. I have no idea. But maybe that's why. And like in later mints, as, the, as newer people came into the treasure hunt, they were just there to flip NFTs, maybe, or we had to figure out. So we did a drop last Friday, I think it was last Friday now, to solve the drop in the universe. We decided 100 water crystals were up for grabs, but the community is going to decide the price. We set a huge range. It was like 50 soul, which is the high for water, and 5 soul, which is the floor for everything else. And we said, you guys decide. 
The men sold out that day. The community was happy. They got the crystals they needed to make more habitats. Again, this is an example of how do you build with community, do something that you're seeing chatter about in the community that they want to know, and, and let's solve an interesting problem together. Yeah. No, that's a great, like, specific use case, and it's helpful to understand the amount of grit and sort of engagement required for folks listening at home. And just really excited, man, about you. everything you. you all are doing and hope to have more conversations like this and keep tabs on, on what you're up to. How can our listeners sort of stay in touch with what's Absolutely. going on in your ecosystem? Genopets.me is our only website. Discord.gg slash Genopets for the Discord. Of course, Genopets on Twitter. You can sign up for a beta on the website, genopets.me slash beta. We're in private beta right now. Private beta is a perk for the most active members of our community or the Genesis NFT holders. But we'll be rolling out public beta very, very shortly. We've been targeting this summer, so just around the corner. Get on that beta wait list. We are doing a minting activity over the Metaverse Zone this week. So anyone that's in town for consensus, we're seeing that. But yeah, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. Okay, we've reached the outer limit at the edge of NFTs today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on this starship, so invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey all so much better. How? Go to iTunes right now, rate us, and say something cool. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. You understand that you are using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.